And yet we don't have everything that Jesus said. So if you think about it, not only does he not ever waste everything he says, but we have the stuff in the Bible that is most relevant for us right now today. And so it's like the best of the best of the best for us. And so every single word matters with everything that Jesus said. And so when it comes to teaching on prayer, this is so important, this passage. Because without understanding it, we will not have the kind of prayer that will be a proper relationship with God. And all through the time we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer, and looked at the other prayer uh, passages that Jesus gives us, each time I've been saying the same thing, that this is right at the heart of, of prayer, so much so that we get any of these things wrong, we haven't really got prayer, we haven't really understood prayer at all. Do you remember the previous week I said to you, there was the, the Pharisee, there was the hypocrite, who, when he prays, he's only interested in what the other people think. Do you remember that? Uh, it's in, in uh, Matthew chapter chapter 6. And he's saying how, after he looks at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, because you'll find the Lord's Prayer in, in both Matthew and in Luke. But in the Matthew version, after that, he says something, um, because he obviously he'd be preaching about prayer to many different places. And so the Matthew version, he's in a different place, and at a different time from the Luke version. And after the Matthew one, he talks, and he says, you know, there's a kind of way of praying that is terrible because um, that person only really wants to get the praise and respect of people around them. And I said that there's a way of people praying where actually they're not even talking to God. They're just talking to impress other people. And so it's like you get a letter and you think, oh, hang on a second, this isn't addressed to me. I'd better pass on to the people who it is addressed to. <clears throat> and you find that if we're praying, and actually we're praying in a group like this, but all we're really thinking about is the people around us hearing what we're saying, not God, then it's as if God can say, well, that actually is not addressed to me. Not, nothing to do with me, for me, you're not talking to me. So I, I'm not going to answer that because you're not talking to me. So it's a kind of prayer that's not prayer at all because we're not actually talking to God. And we look, there's another kind of problem with prayer where there's the person who just repeats words again and again and again. And that person, they calls them a babbler. And that person is just repeating things. And it's not a relationship with God at all. Um, in some religions, you have certain set prayers that have to be repeated again and again and again. And we said it was a massive irony that the big prayer that gets repeated again and again in Christianity is the Lord's Prayer. And yet when Jesus is teaching the Lord's Prayer, he's straight away saying, do not go around repeating something again and again and again because it loses its meaning. And by that way to understand that prayer isn't simply repeating the Lord's Prayer all the time. Because it very quickly loses its meaning. It's praying prayers from your heart to God. And we can use the Lord's Prayer to help us about different areas of prayer that we can pray for. But it doesn't include everything, as we talked in the previous week. It doesn't include, include looking at thanking God. But it gives us lots of important areas for prayer, including, as we, we see in the previous bits of this passage in Luke chapter 11, we have Jesus reminding us of the importance to ask for, for things, where it says, give us our daily bread, or to say sorry um, to forgive people uh, as well and to be protected, to pray for protection from temptation and from trials. And these are important parts of what it is to be praying. And so easily we get locked into one kind of prayer. We don't focus on the other areas of prayer. So Jesus is teaching us about what prayer is about, but also the dangers here. And here we've got a situation where it's so important that we understand prayer as being not something where it's a one-off exercise, where you simply make your request 
and then you wait for it to be dealt with. Some things in life are like that. Some things are very much like that in life, aren't they? Where you simply, you fill out the application form, you send it off in the post, and it's done. Or maybe you're voting, in a few weeks' time you'll be voting for the European elections. And you don't get lots of options, you just, opportunities, you get one opportunity, you tick a box, it's done. But that is not how relationships work. And, and Jesus is at pains to get the, the people who, who want to talk to God from the heart, which is what prayer is, to understand the way that we need to talk to God from the heart. And there's one word in the passage that Bev read out to us, which I anticipate people to, to either smile, to laugh, to look a bit shocked or surprised on. And what is that word that's translated from the original language Greek into two words here? They've translated it into two words. What do you think that phrase of two words is that I'm expecting people to go, oh? Did anybody go, oh, when they heard a particular phrase in the passage we've just read? Shameless persistence. Yes. Shameless persistence. In the NIV translation, it's called shameless translated, shameless audacity. It's one Greek word. It just means shamelessness. Now, normally speaking, you would think shameless sounds like a pretty bad thing. You wouldn't want someone to be shameless because that's, that was what you might um, hear someone in an argument and might say, you've gone and you've done that. You're not even embarrassed about it. You're so shameless. Or you might see girls at a bar. Oh, I can't believe you kissed him. You never, you only just spoke to him for five minutes, you kissed him. That's so shameless, you're so shameless. That's me imagining it, not that I do sit and listen to women in bars talk to each other. But I imagine that at some point or other you've heard someone use the, the word shameless like that. Or you might have used it yourself. You might say, there you are, you've just told me that you stole 10 pounds from my wallet, and you're saying it like it's not a problem. You don't even seem embarrassed about it, don't worry. You can, you're grabbing them. I'm not going to get anywhere near it, don't worry. <laughs> so, you don't seem at all embarrassed about it, in the slightest. You are so shameless. Somebody who doesn't experience a sense of embarrassment. When you should be embarrassed, because look what you've done wrong. So how is it that Jesus is using this, this word shamelessness and saying it's a positive thing to do with prayer? Let's dig a little bit into the passage to see what it is that we're to understand here. Right, so we've just come off the back of Jesus giving another version of, of his prayer, his kingdom prayer, and here we are, and he's sharing the uh, shortened version of what people call the Lord's Prayer. And then he wants to teach a bit more. So he told us this illustration. Imagine you go to a friend's house and you need something. And what I want us to do as we go through this story, look at the different ways that it's becoming more and more unlikely that we're going to get what we want. Okay? So we go into a friend and we want something. What is the thing that we need from this friend? Bread. Bread. We need bread from this friend. Excellent. Which is interesting because Jesus has just talked about in the Lord's Prayer, give us our daily bread. So we're to ask God for our needs. And that word bread is, is symbolic of the needs that we have. Important needs for life. And so this person is going to get an important thing. In ancient times, bread was, was one of the essential things. In each culture, some cultures it's rice. Some cultures it's bread. It's the kind of thing that you put everything else with. 
It's a main, what they call a staple. It's a thing that you need for almost every meal, you see. So they need their bread. And so here he is, this friend is knocking on another friend's door. What time is it? Midnight. Now, already there's a bit of a problem. So I don't know how you feel about knocking on a friend's door at midnight. She's not impressed. I've tried to knock on Tammy's door at about 10 o'clock and it's almost pointless because she goes to bed so early. But there's a time where it's okay to knock on someone's door and there's a time where it starts to become a bit rude. Do you have a rude time? When you were younger, might have been the same for you, Joel, in Israel, quite yet, but if you've got, you might be, I don't know. But for those of you that have got your own house, is there a time with which if someone's knocking on your door, unless it's a crisis, so-and-so's been rushed to hospital, and or uh, I need to phone A&E or something, or big major life or death dramas, you will be mightily annoyed if they knock on your door at this time. What is the time for you that that is just, I'm sorry, but that's a bit rude? Grand bedtime. What time's that? Eight. Eight? Oh my days, there you go guys. Don't even bother at half eight. Wow. So from eight onwards. Unless I know. Fucking stop the dog barking. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. With Tammy, eight is too late. So you go from that one. Eight is too late. Anybody got another time? Uh, Anna, what's your time for where? Uh, maybe like 9.30. 9.30? We've got any advance on 9.30. Nancy, what time is the time where it's rude to knock on your door? 11. 11, I see. Latin. It's a bit later. Knock on your sense. It's not quite rude. What about you, Nigel? What's the time where it's a bit rude to knock on your door? Okay, so eight. When you've got kids, it's important, isn't it? That yeah. you don't, don't knock on the door late. And Bev, you, can you be as late as you like? Or? Yeah. <laughs> three in the morning. Three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be dead to the world. I'll be on, I'll be on my way to the West Indies. I'll be back at three o'clock in the morning. Oh, those so, yeah. lovely dreams well, of sunshine. I'll already be there in my dreams. I'll be there. So what time's the latest we could knock on your door? <coughs> The same as Nancy, about 11. About 11. Are you similar, Nancy? Yeah. 11, okay. So this is later than all... Oh, sorry, well, what's your time? I don't know. Sorry? I don't know. Oh! <laughs> 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 There's no point in bothering. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, like, I'll let you make a decision on that. What's the time to come? Is that like 10, 11? 10, 11. What about you, Dorothy? 10, 11? <laughs> So this is later than all of us. What's interesting is none of us have said half past um, midnight or one o'clock in the morning. So this is midnight. And so by agreement of all of us, it's just too late. And most of us wouldn't even bother. Actually, that's not true. I mean, who here would actually bother to even um, look at, answer the door? Or some of you, would you just, would you ignore it? So answer the door, answer the door. Or some of you just be like, hopefully they'll get the message and they'll just walk away. Yeah, hopefully they'll just walk away. So you've already got one problem. You've already got this one problem. It's after, it's after midnight. Would you let anyone in after midnight, Sam? No, Sam is saying no, no. Right. So it's, it's, it's about bread. It's not about a crisis that needs a hospital. It's about bread. And so you, what he's done is he's knocked on the door. So goes to the front and basically you, you, he shouts out, "Hey!" I don't know what the friend's name is. Clive. Hey, Clive! No one is called Clive. Clive! Clive, I got my mate round and he's come to visit me 
Now, in the original language, it was he's kind of gone on a trip and he's, he's actually got himself a bit lost and ends up with me. So he's gone actually, he hasn't planned to visit me, so he's actually travelling and he ends up stuck with me. So, <coughs> five, my friend has gone travelling and he's ended up at my house and I have nothing for him to eat. Now, there might be a deadly silence at this point. So he's probably shouting, Clive, did you hear me the first time? I've got my friend come to my house and I've got nothing to eat. Can you help me out? Have you got any bread? Have you got three loaves Three loaves of bread. Silence. Okay. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom. Something, this is probably the polite version, honestly. Because there might be some swear words and other stuff in normal, normal culture at this point. But he says, without the swear words, don't bother me. It's very polite, isn't it? And he says, so, check out all the other reasons why this guy's going to have real problems. So, not only is it midnight, not only is he shouting up, and the guy's shouting down again, which is always a bad sign, but he says these things. He says, he calls out from his bedroom, which is always a very bad sign. He's not calling out from his TV room. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed, and I can't help you. So the door's locked, he's going to have to go and unlock the door. Not only is he in bed, but his whole family is in bed. And if, even if top it all, he still can't help you. Now at this point in time, are you tempted to walk away and think, well actually, you know, what's the point in this? Clive is in bed, his whole family's in bed. They've locked the door. It's just so much hassle for him to come down. He's got to go down and find bread. Maybe I should just go back to my mates and just say to him, look, I'm sorry, seriously, mate, you're just going to have to be hungry. But no, this person does not stop. He's like, yeah, I get that. I get that you're in bed, that you've locked the door, that it's after midnight. Oops, Lucy, Kaylee, Bobby, Robbie, Nappy, Bibby, and all your little children are all in bed. And the dog's asleep. And you decided you can't help me. But how about coming downstairs, unlocking the door, and giving me three loaves of bread? Now a word for that, and it's cheeky, isn't it? It's pretty cheeky. Or we can call it shameless. Shameless persistence. And so the guy's like, go away, shut up and go away. And he says, oh, go on, go on, give me some bread. Please, shut up and go away, my family's sleeping. Pretty please, lots. You know, it goes on and on on the end, the guy's like, oh my goodness me. The littlest one starts waking up and starts crying. The dog starts yapping, and he's thinking, oh, this is crazy. My children are awake now, go away. My friend's tummy's rumbling, don't you feel So he's like, oh, okay. So he goes, gets up. Puts his trousers on, goes down, unlocks it all, finds three loaves of bread. There you go. There's your three loaves of bread. Now can you please leave me in peace? Shameless. 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 Now that is Jesus' story. And it's been shortened. Because I imagine when he would have told it, it would have been a story that could have gone on ten minutes. Everyone would have been like, wow, what an amazing story. It's been shortened for the, for the sake of the Bible passage here. But essentially, it's pretty shocking 
This person, we could even say, is pretty rude. Knocking on the door, not going away, waking up a family, dragging a guy, making him go downstairs, unlocking the door, taking the guy's bread, giving it to him. Oh, oh, because the guy wouldn't leave, be let, um, wouldn't leave that friend alone. Nightmare, what kind of friend does that? Now, interestingly, he's not wanting bread for himself. He's wanting bread for someone else. He's actually acting with a lot of shamelessness for someone else's need, not his own need, which is interesting. But here he is, fighting the corner of his, his hungry friend and hassling this other friend. What can we learn about this from Jesus? In verse 9 it says, And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Shockingly, Jesus wants us to treat God the same way that that person treated their friend. In the same way that that person annoyed the friend and got the friend to eventually come down and give the bread, we're to treat, you, to treat God that way. Now, there's something this is definitely important for us to understand, and there's something else that we're not to get confused with. So firstly, to understand that Jesus is praising the man's persistence and he's praising the man's shamelessness. We're going to look at that thing. But what he's not saying is God goes, oh, you know, that Israel is so annoying. He's prayed for it four times. If he prays for it five times, I suppose I'd better go and give it to him. That's not what God's character is about. We know elsewhere in the Bible, God's character isn't to say, I don't want to give good things to my people to my children. But if they moan about it enough and keep whinging on about it in prayers, eventually I'll be like, oh, okay, give it to them. That's not how God works. So that's not how we understand this. What we are to focus on is not the friend who eventually comes down, but the behaviour of the person who's knocking on the door. That's what we're to focus on. Okay? Sometimes we can get a parable and misunderstand it by trying to find parallels everywhere. But we know that God loves to give good things to his people. But he doesn't always give it to us to them straight away. So we need to understand that God wants us to be persistent and shamelessly persistent. Because God wants us to demonstrate to him that we really want something and we really believe that God can give it to us. And so one way of developing that within us is for us to pray and not pray as a one-off, but to pray as a commitment in prayer. And God loves to see commitments in prayer. Because when there's a commitment in prayer, do you remember those, do you remember what I said to you prayer was again? Talking to God from the heart. And when we demonstrate to God that we have a commitment in prayer, we are showing God that we have a heart for this particular thing. Now there's ways of people praying that we've looked at before, like the, the, the babbling, that shows that the person's heart's not in it. But I'll tell you another way that someone's heart isn't in something. When someone asks for something once, and they're like, oh well, okay, and walks away, I tend to think maybe their heart wasn't in it. If someone says to me, oh, I really, really need a cup of tea right now, and I say, oh, I'm really, hang on a second, can you wait for a minute? And they go, oh, well, okay, and they walk off, I think, yeah, they didn't really need that cup of tea. I just said, hang on a second. Mm. And sometimes God will say to us, hang on a second. 
It's not because he's busy, he hasn't got time for us. He wants to see if we have our heart in it and with a commitment to this. And if we just say, oh, you've prayed, we've prayed for it once, it's like, oh, don't worry about it, God, don't worry about it. We're not showing him that we have a commitment to this and our heart's in it. But if we continue in it, and it's if God says, hang on a second, and we say to God, please, Lord, I really do need this right now. And the next day, we say, when we pray to him, we say, Lord God, I prayed for this yesterday, or I'm praying for it today. I really need this. We are showing God that it matters to us. Sometimes we pray for a non-Christian friend or member of the family to become a Christian. And you know they don't become a Christian the same day that we pray for them. Why is that? Why is that? Is it because God isn't able for our friends to become Christians? Does he not have the power to, to open the eyes of our friends so they'll see the truth of the gospel? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of people. It says one of the works of the gospel is to open people's eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God that they might receive forgiveness of sins and a place amongst those who may have been holy in his sight. It says that in the word of God. God opens the eyes of people. And yet we pray and that person's eyes are still closed. You talked about Jesus, they're like, yeah, whatever. Oh, I just don't understand. And you think, what happened there? Maybe God doesn't care. Why would God say to us, wait a second? But he still wants us to keep asking. So tell you something, you ask one time for one friend to become a Christian, and then you ask every day for a whole month for someone to become a Christian, and I bet you your heart starts to get into that person. And if that person becomes a Christian, I bet you you will nurture that person better. I bet you you will be more invested in that person. God wants us to be invested in our prayers. Do you know what I mean by invested? He wants our heart and our thoughts and our plans and our goals and all of our drive to be in our prayers. And that requires us praying something persistently. And he loves to be able to step back and see if our heart is in our prayers because we've got commitment and we've got persistence. And he rewards that. Sometimes you might have to wait a week or a month, sometimes a year or so. I don't know what the length of time is that God wants us to demonstrate that, but he wants us to demonstrate that. There were a few times in the Bible where someone's prayed for something and God said to them, you don't need to pray for this anymore. Anyone know an example of that in the Bible? Where someone's, okay, someone's prayed for something three times and God says to them, you don't need to pray for that anymore. I won't answer that prayer. Paul asked that God would lift something from him. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. We don't know if it was a particular disability, it could have been he had difficulty with his eyesight, it could have been that, it could have been a particular sin, there was something that was upon him. It could even be dark demonic because it's called a messenger from Satan. And three times he prayed to God, take this from me. And then God says to him, no, because in your weakness I will be stronger because, because of your pride not being lifted up. In your humility, in this weakness, you will be a much more powerful messenger for me. But unless God says to us, no, I want you to continue in this because my plans are in this, we persist in prayers, particularly if it feels like it's been laid on our heart. Do you today have a prayer that's been laid on your heart for somebody? That they become a Christian? Or for somebody that they become healed? Or that somebody is blessed in some way? Is there a prayer that you feel particularly God has given to you that you should be praying but it's not being answered yet? Then you need to continue to demonstrate persistence. So the second word I want to focus on. And the second word is the shamelessness. Now, 
Have you ever been at a stage where there's just no point of even caring about what the other person thinks? You're just asking and you don't care what they feel like about because you're just so desperate and so needy. Sometimes you meet people that are homeless and they are genuinely homeless and they're beyond the stage of caring about what they look like. They smell. It might not be in this country, it might be another country. They are dirty, they smell, they are hungry and they, they're not bothered about looking cool. They're not bothered about looking fashionable. They don't really care about what anybody thinks. What really matters is just that they get some food or they get some money so they can buy something. And so they'll call out to you and say, please can you help me? And the kind of shamelessness they have there in that they, they're beyond caring about what the person thinks. They're, all they care about is they're crying out for their needs. That's what God is talking about here. For us. We don't pray cool prayers. When we're crying out to God, please help me, we're not thinking, oh, how can I say that in a kind of cool way? How can I? If we're thinking about, is there a different way I can phrase this that might sound a bit better, then we're very far away from what God is talking about here, about shameless praying. If we're just saying, God, I don't even know the right words to pray here, I'm desperate, then we're in the right place. There was somebody this morning. Uh, a young a lady this morning who gave a witness when we did a similar thing, where she was desperate because her, her um, mum um, needed to come to, to England. She's really struggling, she's really desperate for her mum. And her mum came to the visa place in her home country, and then their visa said no. The guy said, no, you can't come to England. I'm afraid that's it. We won't even let you in. And this woman was elderly. There wouldn't be another chance for her to come back. And so this lady heard about it late at night. And she said, I don't know what I'm going to do. She was so desperate. She said, I just fell on my knees and I cried out to God. Lord, help me. I don't know what else to do. You're the only person I can turn to. There's no way that this lady is going to be accepted now. She's been turned away. She's too old to come back to this place. She needs somehow to be given her visa right now. And the office has closed the door and refused her. And so she cried out to God. And then, five minutes later, after she finished her prayer, it's a true story, it's a young lady this morning, five minutes later after she had finished her prayer, she had a phone call. And the phone call back was, they've changed their mind, they've opened the door, they've let her in, they're going to give her the visa. And she was so amazed that God heard her prayer. Now, she didn't need to pray persistently, but what she did pray was shamelessly. At that moment in time, she didn't care if anybody had seen what she was like. She didn't care that she was kneeling. She didn't care who was looking. She just cried out. And she didn't care about the words she used. It didn't matter. That's why, you know, the, this guy's words don't really matter, the person crying out to Clive or whatever it is. All we, we recognise is the guy is desperate and he just doesn't care right now about anything other than getting communicating this desperate need. And it's actually not selfish desperately because the bread's for someone else. So this is what we need to understand in terms of prayer. If you at the moment are struggling in prayers that matter a lot for you, that are really important for you or your loved ones, then we need to demonstrate commitment to God by being persistent. And we all, that doesn't mean we pray that same one prayer for half an hour. That means we pray for it today and we pray for it tomorrow. And no matter what we're feeling like, then on Thursday we're praying for it, and we're praying for it next week on Friday, until that prayer gets answered. And the other thing is, we don't care about the words, we care about our hearts. We don't care about being cool about it. We don't care about what other people are thinking, we are shameless about it. 
We just open our heart to God and say, God, you've got to hear my heart here. I am desperate for this. This matters so much to me. I don't know what I'm going to do if this doesn't happen. Because this person really needs to become a Christian. Or this person really needs to be healed. Or I really, really need to pass this exam or do this. I don't know how I'm going to cope otherwise. Cry from your heart to God. And God will do amazing things. Beyond what you can imagine. Answer the prayer in a bigger way than you could ever realise. So that when you look back and we jump 10 years to the future and you look back at those prayers that you've prayed persistently and shamelessly, you will come to me, and I hope I'll be alive at this point, and say to me, I prayed shameless, persistent prayers and they were answered beyond my wildest dreams because Jesus does not lie. And I knocked on that door shamelessly and I received. And I didn't get a scorpion. I got what blessed me because my heavenly Father gives good gifts to his children. Especially, and it says the final bit, the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? Spiritual gifts, things are the most important things to pray for. What do we pray for shamelessly first? Spiritual things to draw closer to God. For our friends and loved ones to become Christians. For our children to know Jesus. For us to grow. For us to stop in particular sins. Spiritual things first. God delights in hearing shameless, persistent prayers and spiritual things. And then for the daily needs that we have, like money, for food, for health, for those things too. But start with the spiritual things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given